Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast to help you save the best and burn the rest of your culture and faith practices. Amen, Jesse. <laughs> Today we have um, a really interesting episode. We're going to be talking about um, we're going to be talking about Blizzard, the video game country. We're going to be talking about China and censorship, <laughs> and we're going to be Did talking you just about say Blizzard, the video game country. Company? Did I say country? I don't know. I might. I, think, I, I meant anyway, to say company. Can you imagine? Um, can you imagine a, a a country that's just made by video game designers, developers, a video game country, the Utopia? I'd be, I'd be scared. I'd imagine it like an island, but it's just the island is the Fortnite island or something. Uh, you know? Gamers rise up. Gamers, gamers rise, rise up. up. Um, and we're going to be talking about uh. A little bit about politics, I guess. I don't know. We're sort of... I don't want to say I don't know what yeah. we're talking about today. But there's a whole lot of things we're going to talk about today. Now, quick note. If you're not interested in video games or censorship, um, I do think there will be some varied interests for a lot of people uh, listening to this because we're really just speaking into culture today. Yeah. Um, we've been doing a lot of talk about like real in-house church stuff for the past probably two months. Um, and we, you know, if you've been with us for a while, you know, we also talk about culture. We haven't done it much lately. And so this is a time for us to sort of get back into speaking to culture, which is something we do also love doing. So, uh, stay tuned. It's going to be great. But before we get on to that, of course, question mm. of the week. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> question of the week. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> This is the part. I'm the editor. You're making my life a living hell because now I have to put the actual soundbite into the thing and then you're going to do... Qu- anyway, it doesn't matter. Just edit that all matter. out. It doesn't matter. You can just put this at the end of the episode like you do and you don't tell me when all of a sudden something shows up that we were talking about <laughs> that I didn't think we were recording. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so this will probably all end up at the end of an episode. So, hey, everybody, thanks for listening to the end of an episode. Anyway, <laughs> this week... Our question is, obviously, now last year we did an episode all about Halloween, which was fun, but we did not do that this year because our episode sort of fell like either side of Halloween, so neither really worked that well. But yep. uh, at the time of this episode airing, Halloween will have been a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Now, whether you celebrate it or not, Jesse, if you were a 13-year-old boy who celebrated Halloween and you were about to go trick-or-treating with your friends and you had a... Decent sized budget to do it. Not over the top, but you know, like a decent sized budget and time to prepare. What do you dress as? Mm. Oh my goodness. That is so hard. That's so hard. Um, okay. <laughs> I got to think. I got to think. Because, like, if, if I was but, wanting to go super, like, edgy. You're 13, though. Imagine you at 13. Me. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm yeah, 13 yeah. years old. Right, so yeah. I got to think, what was I into at 13? Yeah, right. but I mean, we, you can go either what you were into when you were 13 or if you were 13 now and you, mm. what would you be into that you would dress up as, if that makes sense. I'm going to say, it's complicated. because when I was 13, I was watching um, the Chronicles of Narnia, I was playing with Legos and I was also probably watching Avatar The Last Airbender. So I'd probably go 
as a character from Avatar, maybe like an earthbender, because if I was a bender, I would be an earthbender. So I'd probably go something Avatar themed. And I say that not just because I loved it when I was a kid, but because I'm currently re-watching it. I'm up to book two, almost finished book two with Karina. It's awesome. We're all about... Are you watching it on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Same. I just started again. Bro, it's great. I'm just up to the bit where they where they just get to Ba Sing Se and you are just introduced to the Dai Li and all the crazy, weird, oh. sort of creepy stuff that happens in Ba Sing Se, which is awesome. So maybe I'd go yes. like as an earthbender or like a Dai Li agent. That would be cool. Cool. Bro. That'd there is great. no war in Ba Sing Se. Here we are oh. safe. Here we yes, are I loved those episodes. That was so weird. Anybody, if you haven't watched Avatar Last Airbender, it's recommended watching for anybody who listens to Burn the Stack. It's um, insane. It's insane how good of a kids TV show that was. It's like one of those yeah. shows that just completely, it holds up today. Even though it was a kids show, it just holds up. It's insane. Oh, so it's good. It's amazingly well done. All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you go as an earthbender or yeah. uh, Ba Sing Se agent from... Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. How uh, about For you? some reason... Huh? How about you? Oh, okay. I um, I'm trying to think. Okay, if I was 13 now, I would probably be into the same things I'm into now, because <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> much just a grown up 13 year old boy. Um, <laughs> um, I'm gonna say, man. Well, when I was it really, oh, this is hard. I should have thought about this before I asked the question. But okay, if I, I was gonna go trick or treating, not that I've ever been I- trick or treating. Could I huh? guess? Could I could I try and guess like a character that you may have been into at thirteen sure. based on the, the the very limited knowledge that I have of you? I would have said that you would have gone as like a WoW character if you had the budget for it. I wasn't playing World of Warcraft when I was thirteen. How old were you when you it started? Wasn't out, it wasn't out yet. I started when I was fifteen. Oh, dang it. Okay. Fail. Mm. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. And now it's sort of past its use by date. So Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, funnily enough that we're talking about Blizzard today. But you know what? Actually, yeah, that, I it's mean... It's all connected. It is kind of all connected. Yeah. You know what? Now that you mentioned that, but going as a Blizzard character, I like being a, being a 13-year-old today, I probably wouldn't care about um, about Blizzard it's, and censorship and I wouldn't be doing a, what do you call it? A, um, a strike on Blizzard. <laughs> um, I would yeah. probably go... I would like to try and go as like an Overwatch character. Not that I've ever played Overwatch, but I feel like mm. if I was 13 today, I would have made a way for me to have played Overwatch. Mm. Are there yeah. any particular would, Overwatch characters that you like gravitate towards just knowing like what well, they look like? I think Winston's really cool, but I feel like I don't think I could do a <laughs> cosplay as a giant gorilla at 13, you know, with armor and glasses. But I guess I guess it depends how rich you are. Well, <laughs> that's true. Reinhard, the guy in the massive armor. Oh. That would Reinhardt be a cool cosplay amazing. if I could pull that yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I if I could cosplay as any uh, Overwatch character, it probably would have been Roadhog. He was my favorite. Roadhog, yeah, he's cool. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I would say, like, I would like to do a very B grade attempt at uh, Reinhard. Mm, Reinhardt is a great, Reinhard, great sorry. character. Yeah. yeah. I slipped up to Reinhard Bonky. You know the evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> anyway yep maybe i'll go as him <laughs> anyway okay yeah so that's that's mine that's that's mine mm. yeah yeah that's that's something that i i missed out on as a child because i grew up in like this traditional adventist family trick-or-treat we lived out in the country to be 
you know, so you wouldn't really fair, go trick or treating out there anyway. Yeah. And we grew up in the era where trick-or-treating really wasn't accepted, even by Australian standards. Like, it's only... It feels like it's only been in the last sort of five years that trick-or-treating has become, like, a real thing in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't see many of them. I'm I'm interested to see how many I get this year because I don't live in a more urban place now. I live in probably more rural, but... Yeah. But I don't think I'll get... But my nieces and nephews, they go every year and they go hard. Like yeah, they dress up like well, like and proper. They go like proper scary Halloween styles. If I was going <laughs> trick or treat, I would not go scary. I would go like friendly, maybe like friendly neighborhood Spider Man or something. But I feel like yeah. there'd be like fifty Spider Man, so I wouldn't want to go with Spider Man. But anyway, anyway, that's question of the week has probably gone yeah. on way too long, <laughs> but it's mostly yeah. from my indecisiveness. Oh. Nah, it's fun. It's fun. But yes. It is fun. Um, Tell us what you'd go as if you went trick-or-treating, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Not that any of us, I don't know, I don't know anybody who goes trick-or-treating other than my nieces and nephew. Yeah, I don't think it's really a adult thing, is it? It's Oh, what? It's, no. <laughs> Imagine if there was just a bunch of grown-ups that went around trick-or-treating. Like, that would be kind of, that would be weird, eh, <laughs> <hey>, man? <laughs> well, yeah. But it's I mean, like, we couldn't go to Comic-Con this year, so we're going to make up for it. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, though, okay, here, all right, we're just going to talk about this a little bit longer and then we'll get into the big issue. But I am, like, if you're, like, okay, so a lot of, like, obviously, Adventists, a lot of fundamental Christians and that kind of stuff, even liberal Christians, a lot of them hate Halloween, right? Yeah. And um, they refuse to ever go trick-or-treating. That's fine. Like, I'm not going to say it's the nicest holiday ever and everyone should celebrate it. If you want to hear our thoughts on it, you can listen to last year's episode on it. But... I do feel like we don't really have anything in our calendar, like anything else in our calendar to dress up as a character from something that you love. Halloween's the only time of the year when you really do that. Like mm. other than if a friend has a cool dress up birthday, but they don't really do that when you're adults either. So <laughs> <laughs> like, I just want to go dressed up as Thor to something. Is that so bad oh. for me to want, you know, especially like Endgame Thor with like the beer gut. Yeah. That's what I want right now in my life. <laughs> I just want some event to happen where I could go dressed up as that Thor and look, you know, like him <laughs> i can finally say i look just like thor <laughs> that is so funny no it's true though because like it's something that we don't do as adults like you you think of dressing up as sort of a childish thing and then when you get older like we still mock people who go to comic con or supernova dressed up as their favorite character we kind of just go oh look at you you nerd i mean it's becoming i don't more... i think it's awesome i'm I've talking about like my life oh yeah no i i haven't either but it's like greater society is what i mean like oh, i'm okay. saying the collective we um we you know I like thought you talking about we, you and i i'm like we've never mocked them <laughs> <laughs> no no but like it's like the whole big bang theory thing you know like when all the gang is dressed up as star trek or star wars you know the canned laughter is like aha look at them they're nerds you know sort of oh, thing. That's true, even actually. though even though it's become you know geek chic is now a thing i suppose in large part due to geek chic yeah bro it's like being geek is sexy now apparently i don't know if that's actually true but i it, apparently it is um say so it's yeah. sexier than it was <laughs> yeah yeah it's probably yeah absolutely it's sexier than like when we were kids nerd was kind of like the revenge of the nerds movies or like napoleon um dynamite you know like that sort of super mm. dorky nerd sort of culture makes sense well speaking of nerd culture yeah. Blizzard Entertainment. If you haven't heard of them, they are geek. Well, they are like geek royalty, really. Yeah. They 
have pretty much made the childhood, teenagehood, adulthood of millions of people. And no, that is not an overstated number. Millions of people. Uh, They made um, such famous video games as StarCraft, Warcraft, World of Warcraft, which I used to play when I was 15 very heavily. Um, And at the time of me playing, had a player base of 12 million uh, yep. which is pretty incredible, and that was a long time ago. Mm. Um, they have uh, StarCraft as well is a huge, 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 huge uh, thing in many countries, but particularly Korea. It is just like StarCraft fever yep. all year round. Um, yep. Also making video games such as Overwatch, which is still a phenomenally huge popular game. Uh, they are an enormous... They are just... And everything they've put out, well, until recent years, has just been straight gold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like it's that. There's a reason why people called um, WoW World of Warcraft back in the day. You know, like <laughs> the games, the yes. games that they made. You know, people absolutely frothed over. People obsessed over some of the best oh, yeah. cosplay. Some of the best cosplay dressing up came from. WoW characters and and StarCraft characters and Diablo. I played Diablo and Diablo 2 and Diablo 3. I found Uh, Diablo way too scary. I've still never played it in my life and I probably (laughs) won't. It's actually not as scary as it looks. They go pretty hard on the gothic horror thing, but it's actually not all that scary. But yeah, it's not for everyone. I think it's it's the name, Diablo. Um, (laughs) But anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, No, it's 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 pretty much as horror as I will go when it comes to a video game. So Fair enough. Um, and so they, I feel like I'm missing. Oh, Hearthstone is another very popular game that they've made right. that has a huge fan base. And yeah, World of Warcraft. I mean, I to to, to give people an indication of what WoW was like. It was seriously. I knew people. I wasn't like this, but I knew people who would um, play it. You know, they'd get up at like eight eight o'clock, maybe seven o'clock in the morning, play it until they went to school. Then when they went to school. They would sign in and then run away from school, go to their local internet cafe, play it there all day, sneak back, get to roll mark at the end of school so didn't so they didn't lose any attendance, catch the bus home, play at home until like three in the morning, go to sleep, wake up, repeat. That's unbelievable. And then on the weekends, it was Absolutely just nonstop. Like I literally knew people who were like that. It was crazy. Uh, I mean, I played yeah. a lot, but not that much. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, so, so that's um, a phenomenon. The, the one that we played the most in recent years is Hearthstone. You and I both played it for what a good three to five years or something like that, right? Uh you played it. Long. I probably only played it for like a year. Oh, okay, up. right, yeah. okay. Just that, so you that, you played it no, for maybe, about a maybe year, a year and a half, two years. I don't know. Something I feel like, like it was more. Year. I do feel like it was more than a year, but anyway, it was still. Yeah, a, I don't know. You know. We would play it every week. Some weeks we would play it every day. I would play it every day in, in some weeks as well. Yeah, I probably play it most days. Yeah, Get your daily quests in and do all that stuff that you have to do on a mobile game like that because it, yeah. it became a mobile game that we both played it on mobile and that's that's how it became so popular. Um, also kind of how we became such good friends in New Zealand because we'd play yeah. and then we'd talk while we play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? it, it is We're just bit. bonding through that game. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, Hearthstone brought us together. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, so we we, thank you. Uh, we gave up 
um, Hearthstone a couple years ago, um, both of us. No, it would have been uh, two years ago, one year ago, something like that. We both decided ago, think, yeah. together. Yeah, we decided together that we would stop playing because I think we both realized that it was getting a little bit out of hand. But ever since then, uh, we've still kind of... At least I've still kind of kept in touch, still subscribed to the r slash Hearthstone subreddit just to see what's going on and a little bit of interest oh, here I unsubscribe from everything. I, it was too tempting for me. Oh. And I didn't fall to temptation like somebody after we made a pact that we wouldn't play it and if we were going to play it, we'd tell each other. And then Mr. Oh, hey, you're not playing? Oh. Oh, anyway. <laughs> we made a blood pact and then I betrayed it. It was very... It, was <laughs> it wasn't a blood pact. <laughs> <laughs> we pricked you only, out. We you only picked... log, really logged in though, eh? You didn't really play. Yeah, I logged in once because they released that that dungeon. It was like a dungeon crawling feature where you'd oh, yeah, face some new a feature. bunch of mini bosses. And it was like the first time that they actually introduced a new game mode in like forever. And yeah. so I was like, oh, I want to check this out. So I logged in, I played a few games, realized why I stopped playing, and then I, I logged out again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I wasn't really that upset at him, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Blizzard Entertainment, massive. They run a big what you call esports scene. So you know how there are sports on TV? Well, just like regular sports, there are also esports, as in video games having huge competitions. Now, some of you are probably laughing, thinking, ha, 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 who watches that? Millions of people. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the prize pools are insane. The... What was it? The prize pool for League of Legends? Oh, well, actually, let's say what's what was the let's go for Blizzard Entertainment. Do you know what the prize pool for like Hearthstone or something is, or Overwatch? I I know that I know that for Hearthstone it's in the hundreds of thousands because Hearthstone isn't as lucrative as it once was, but it was up to a million at one point. Um, Fortnite is in the millions of dollars. League of Legends is in the millions of dollars. So is Overwatch. Um, it's a lot of money. Like it's serious money. In some. Yeah. I think I think it was League of it was either League of Legends or Fortnite. The prize pool last year or this year um, was more than um, a whole bunch of different sports bundled together, like baseball, NFL, all that sort of stuff. It was insane money. Yeah, probably Fortnite. Fortnite's an absolute gaming behemoth at the moment. Um, not as big as it was, but like the last year it was in its peak. Yeah. But anyway. Um, Anyway, so esports is is big. You can't underestimate just because you haven't seen it. You can't underestimate it. It is a very big scene and it is growing. Every time yeah. there's a new big game, the whole scene grows. So it's constantly getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, it's now featuring on TV, like here in New Zealand. You can watch the Call of Duty and stuff finals and the Duke final uh, and the Fortnite finals on Duke TV, which is a free to air channel. So things like that. Like it's it's constantly growing. Yeah. Anyway. So recently, yep. there was a uh, Hearthstone tournament where um, a bunch of different players will face off, and it's an elimination tournament. And at the end, the the winner who wins the most games they get a big prize. It's like any sporting tournament. Anyway, there was a partic- particular player, Blitz Chung, who um, had won a game. Uh, he had won a bunch of games, and he was tipped to be a. a um, a, a hopeful for the winner of the entire tournament. He had an infamous, now infamous, um, <laughs> post-game interview with two of the casters at the particular tournament. Quick note, and casters is the same as commentators. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know why they're called casters, but that's what you call them in esports. Anyway, carry uh, on, Jesse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a live streaming thing. But yeah, basically, okay. um, basically during the interview, he put on a face mask, which has become a synonymous... Um, it's like a symbol for uh, Hong Kong protesters. The Hong Kong protests have been going on for weeks at this point in time, like a long time. Maybe even months. It could be. Months, maybe even. Yeah. 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 I said weeks because I wasn't sure, but in my head I was thinking, I think it was longer than a month, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I'm not quite sure at this point. He, so he's on this mask and he, and he yells in his native tongue, um, free Hong Kong, something like that. Uh, along those lines and the casters who are interviewing him they don't shut him down they don't kind of you know or anything like that they just kind of I think they treat it as a little bit of a joke and they just kind of move on um, well they hid some- behind the desk they were like yeah I think, I think he's probably he probably teed them up beforehand saying I'm going to do this and they probably didn't really want to have anything to do with it so they yeah. just said say your piece and then they hid behind the desk while he said which it. isn't really a very smart move like it just kind of looks dumb <laughs> like i don't, I don't yeah, it know weird. it's not yeah, very professional but, but no but yeah esports is still way. getting more professional i guess so anyway <laughs> right yeah yeah that's yeah. right um yeah so there was there was backlash for this basically um the industry insiders basically have said china pressured blizzard then to ban blitzchung and to take away his um, his prize money, and also fire the two casters who interviewed him. Because even even if they didn't want anything to do with it, even if they just kind of wanted to remain neutral, they still allowed it to happen, I suppose. Um, and they didn't really uh, they didn't really tell him off or you know reprimand him on on you know on camera. So Blitz Chung got banned. Um, they took away his prize money and the two casters got fired. And I tell you what, man, the internet went berserk. <laughs> yeah, just blew up like on everything. I saw it all over YouTube, all over yeah. um, all over like my subreddits that I follow. And I don't follow anything to do with Hearthstone anymore. So even I saw it just everywhere. It was on the front page for like over a week, like two weeks. Yeah. Um, I think I think at one point the mod for um R slash Reddit uh, R slash Blizzard, sorry, on Reddit, um actually de- uh disabled the um the subreddit and deleted his account in protest. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. And for there was a good day or two where all the mods had to um uh, all the remaining mods on R slash Blizzard had to band together to try and actually get the subreddit back because the, the hatred and the vitriol uh, levied against Blizzard was absolutely palpable. There was a um, a staff walkout um, by a bunch of employees uh, at the actual Blizzard HQ in yeah. uh, in in, a, in the US in California. Um, so there was internal and external outrage all levied against Blizzard in the um, in the wake. Of, of of this this entire situation um yeah and yeah uh, i was gonna say something to note about now you're probably wondering like why would blizzard do this mm. um i guess and it's because 
well, a number, basically, Blizzard games are incredibly lucrative in China. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when they, when the they make Warcraft, a lot of money off China. When the Warcraft anyway. movie came out last year or the year before, I think it was a few years ago now. It did really yeah. badly in the West, um, but it absolutely killed it at the box office in in China. Um, Blizzard is partly owned by a company called I think Tencent. Tencent. Yeah. Yeah. And they are China based. And a lot of actually Tencent owns a lot of um the gaming uh market as well. Well, yeah, they own I think they have five percent share in in Blizzard or Activision Blizzard. But then in like Epic Games, which is Fortnite, they have like a forty five percent share or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, don't quote me on that, but it's something like that. And they have they have heaps of own, and they like totally own Riot Games and all these big gaming companies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, there's a lot of money in gaming in China. Yes, and so we should also note that this wasn't a an isolated event either. Uh, it wasn't just Blizzard that's getting slammed by this. There's actually quite a number of corporations that are getting slammed at the moment um, mm. over their actions to do with China. Um, Apple got slammed recently for um, deleting a bunch of apps from the Hong Kong app store that protesters were using to coordinate their protests. Really, um, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, they they pulled this app from the Hong from the from the the app store. Um, the the protesters were basically using it to um, evade the Hong Kong police and to coordinate the protest because um, it's a hugely like a complicated thing. And yeah, they needed organization and so. It, yeah, they Apple is not is not very uh, it, yeah not very popular right now on the internet either. Um, Which is interesting because both Apple and Blizzard are American companies. Right, that's that's right. And you yeah. know what else is you know you know what else is American is the NBA. Um, the NBA mm. was also one of the the first ones to get. I think it was I think it was this was before the Blizzard thing. But basically, yeah. what happened. Uh, there was the Houston Rockets general mar- manager tweeted a tweet in support of the Hong Kong protests. Um, he tweeted, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Um, but the NBA pressured him because the NBA got pressured by Blizz- by um, not Blizzard, by, by China. Uh, <laughs> yep. to, same, to same, remo- right? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> to remove the tweet. Um and to uh, because what what started happening was um, a bunch of Chinese retailers started pulling merchandise and um, stuff from their stores uh, because of the political affiliation with Hong Kong. Um, mm. So uh, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, South Park made an episode recently criticizing um, censorship, and they did a little satirical bit on China and got themselves banned in China as well. Huh. It got censored in China. That's Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they would have loved that. I think they did. I think they thought it was really fitting um doing a yeah, an episode on on censorship and getting censored like is like the it's like peak <laughs> irony. <laughs> yep. Um uh, Yeah, so pretty interesting stuff all up. Um like the fact that this player uh, I guess coming back to, to Blizzard, uh, Blitz, Blitz Chung. Yeah. It was like a little bit. He, it was nothing about Blizzard. It was all about these protests. And I mean, if you're not in the loop with the whole Hong Kong China thing, we are not going to do a breakdown of the entire thing. But in a nutshell, it's basically that Hong China 
Hong Kong is uh, wanting to maintain its sort of f- its freedoms, and China mm. isn't um, isn't keen on that. They want it to be just a regular part of China rather than like a Western part of China, like it currently is. Yeah, um, yeah. That's in a very simplified nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah. a lot of the protests are also stemming from the fact that people feel like even Hong Kong, as it is is still just a puppet government controlled by China and they're wanting to change that and they're wanting China to, uh, China to back off, basically, and for Hong Kong to become more independent. Like, yeah, that that's it in a nutshell. And so you can see why... I mean, Hong Kong is an incredibly lucrative city to, to be in, uh, business-wise. Um, it's, a, it's an economical powerhouse. A lot of businesses have their headquarters in Hong Kong and it's also just, you know, a really influential city in Asia. Um, mm. So China wants it. The rest of the, the world wants it. And the Hong Kong people just want to be free. And that's, yeah, it's it's an incredibly complicated um, political system. And it's incredibly complicated, especially to us in the West, where that sort of political system is so alien to the way that we operate. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's, I feel like we've caught everybody up on everything we want to talk about now. <laughs> and give it, well, I mean, there's a lot more details, um, I guess. And I know Blizzard haven't really apologized to Blitzchung since this whole thing happened. They've tried to lighten up the punishment a little bit, but it's still pretty bad all up. Um, but I think the thing is, it's, it's, there's so many interesting facets to this whole situation, like how money sort of stops free speech in a way i don't know it's like you can have free speech until you do something that might be like cost us business then no more yeah yeah we we kind of live in this era like even if you were to take china out of it we still live in this era where you have to be so careful about what you say and do especially online you know like oh yeah i think i think about um do you remember the the whole incident with james gunn the director of guardians of the galaxy how he got fired and then they hired a new director and it was all over oh yeah it was all over these really old tweets that he made like decades ago um and he had said something which people deemed inappropriate they brought it to the attention of marvel and they fired him only to rehire him later on when everybody chucked a hissy fit about how dare you you know fire james gunn and now he's on to directing guardians 3 you know, it's like this yeah. whole bizarre thing where whenever there's money involved or image or um, public interests, I suppose, it, people act stupid when it comes to money <laughs> and oh, power, yeah. I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and and I think it should be, it, we should note sort of China's involvement in this whole thing. China as a country even though it's still a, it's loosened up in the in the last few decades because it's recognized the need to be more open in order to um, I guess prosper you know it's still it's still a communist government um, it's still a communist country uh, it's still highly censored everything is censored um, I mean I, you and I both saw recently PewDiePie got um, banned in China you can't search anything relating to PewDiePie anymore because he talked about memes that were relating to the Hong Kong protests in China. So, like, hmm. you, it, it's very difficult to um, 
have free speech is basically not really a thing in China. I, is probably the best way to put it. The idea of being able to freely express yourself without any repercussions is not really a thing in that country. Um, I mean, Josh and I both have a, a mutual um, associate that we both have met um, who is Chinese, who became a Christian in China, which is really hard. And she had to actually leave China in order to be able to practice her Christianity freely and openly. Um, this is despite the fact that Christianity is alive and well in China, but it's mostly underground. It's mostly in the shadows, not out in the public, because the public face of Christianity is heavily censored. It's heavily monitored by the government. So China as a country is quite sensitive. Um, we've seen that. It is not incredibly open to um, free expression and when it comes to being embarrassed, it doesn't handle itself well. Um, and it even sounds weird for me to say that, you know, as a Westerner, as somebody who has never been to China, who, you know, doesn't really hang out with Chinese people um, on the whole. Mm. Like, I'm so far removed from that, that culture. Um, and yet, we're seeing that China is now starting to flex its muscles more and more in the West and that does that that should concern us in the west um not because you know it's a competition about who who's bigger who's better who's got more money who's got more power um we're not a political analyst podcast so we're not really <laughs> no, here not to, even close <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're, we're not really here to make comments on you know where the world is going politically but many people are saying that the 21st century is the uh, the century of Asia um, in the same way that the 20th century was the century of America and the 19th century was the century of um, Great Britain. Um, hmm. People are saying the 21st century is the Asian century. Yeah. Um, I feel like Asian century is pretty broad compared to like Great Britain and America, but... <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you could probably narrow that down a little bit because there are certain Asian countries that are more uh, and less prominent uh, relevant to this whole. Sorry. Ah, sorry, just cut out. Uh, yeah. Anyway, keep going. Doesn't matter. Um. So there are countries like Singapore, where Singapore is now the um the main business hub for many many corporations, um, global mm. corporations. Um, South Korea is a huge player in this, as is Hong Kong, um, and Japan has always been a huge player in this, even though Japan has its own problems. So I, you could probably say that if the 21st century is the Asian century, what that really means, it's the China, Singapore, South Korea, Japan um, century, in, in a way. Those seem to be the, the main political powers, the, the movers and shakers. And those countries have very different ideas about free speech and censorship that we in the West just kind of accept as normal. Um, you know, like we saw this in the Cold War in a lot where you had American ideals of um, you can criticize the president, you can criticize, you can say whatever you want, and you can do that still. We see that in politics of today. You can criticize Donald Trump or whoever's in power all you want and kind of get away with it. You can't really do that to um, 
the the leader of a lot of those countries you know uh one of the things Mm. that we've seen is uh, south park kind of uh compared the the chinese uh the leader of the chinese government to winnie the pooh um have you seen those memes no i haven't no i'm out of the loop there bro i mean there are so many memes of him um as winnie the pooh and now winnie the pooh is banned in china because (laughs) of that reason (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> it's it's so it's so bizarre it like it's a very weird time that we live in and just as i've been thinking about this i've been thinking about censorship and i've been thinking about freedom of speech and as far as the like as as i've said we, we we're not a, a political podcast but i do think that this century that we're moving into that is becoming more and more dictated to by china and singapore um does have implications for us in the West. And I think that the the values of these countries are going to influence the values of the world. Um, yeah. And so it's made me think about these ideas of free speech and it's made me think about these ideas of censorship and how far is too far. And is this going to change and is this going to shift in the this new century? Yeah. Um, and I guess an interesting side note as well, is that you know in in China, Christianity isn't really um, promoted, <laughs> to say the least. I think there are like state churches, but yeah, it's sort of um, yeah, it's sort of still kind of persecuted there, in a in a way, not maybe the way we think about it. But um, but interestingly enough, even in those circumstances, some of the largest churches in the world, including one of, if not the largest Seventh-day Adventist church in the world is in China. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. um, led by a woman, a woman pastor, funnily enough, but that's a, <laughs> a side <laughs> note. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't know. There, there are a lot of interesting um, things there, even like the way Christianity operates in, in persecuted areas. Um, and is that sort of the future for the world for christianity to go into persecution again i don't know yeah under like a growing asian influence in our politics or in our in our lives i guess yeah and this is i mean like (laughs) in a way it's it's kind of like doom saying like it's like oh the the world is going to become more and more persecuted or like christianity is going to become more and more persecuted in this changing world but it does it does make me wonder about the future um, because as I look at church history, Christianity has almost always thrived under persecution and it's almost always declined or become corrupted under times of peace. Like you just look at the early (laughs) church, you know, and when the early church was heavily persecuted, it grew. It was like this grassroots movement that completely shifted culture. And as soon as... Constantine legalized Christianity, made it the state religion. Man, it it went downhill, and uh, the church well, became corrupt. Cool. It didn't go straight downhill. It went uphill oh, a fair wow. bit first, and then it oh, sort yeah. of grew into something weird. Basically, well, you got to think about it less in terms of like, like so, like the the first few centuries of the of the church. You know, there was this trajectory. Yeah. And then I suppose you could say that the trajectory changed. Yeah, yeah Constantine yeah. changed that and it went in a different direction. And so then you have... So, I mean, we, we're kind of living in this 
this cultural zeitgeist right now where it's it's post enlightenment it's post protestant reformation and we see the catholic church which to be honest you know growing up most of most protestants kind of thought of the catholic church as being this this boogie monster that was just kind of hiding in the closet and was going to jump out and you know, attack us all but now we see the catholic church as this declining superpower um, you know, less and less trust put into the institution as royal commission after royal commission comes out, as corruption is revealed, as all that dirty laundry is is kind of laid out, and we see this in evangelicism as well. We see the 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 decline of many mega churches and a decreasing trust in you know once powerful, once um, highly respected Christian leaders, and it just makes me wonder with the uh, advancement of the Asian century, if this is what the 21st century is going to be, and I don't know, it, this might be completely wrong. The analysts might be just, you know, crying wolf here. But if the Asian century is the 21st century, and what does that mean? What does that mean for us as the church? Um, does that mean mm. that we're going to have to start operating in a way that is different from the way that we've operated in the past? Are the political powers going to shift now in the sense that, you know, once the church was a powerful political force in the world, I mean, even today, we're seeing that is less and less. Um, The church is less influential than it was, certainly, you know, less influential than it was in the the Middle Ages and the the late, um, the late few cent, the 19th, 18th, 17th centuries. yeah, so I think yeah. it's it's interesting that they. Um, I mean, because it's easy to look back on the nineteenth century and the twentieth century and be like, oh yeah, that's that's Great Britain, that's America. But we're only twenty years into the twenty first century, so Correct. things could change rapidly in ten, twenty years. Um, but I do think the the rising, um, I don't know, what do you say, like Eastern influence, um, I guess, from <laughs> Asian countries, but also um, like Middle East. Um, we see so much of these, um, even though even their religious, um, like their, their religions coming in more and more to, to Western countries. It's more popular now. Um, even than when we were kids, you know, mm. seeing a monk on the street when I was growing up would have been very bizarre. But now if I'm in the city, like, and I see someone in their orange robes or whatever, like I'm not even phased by it. It's, it's really normal. You don't see it all the time, but I'm not like, Whoa, what's that? You know, it's, it's just really, it's something that you kind of expect and like driving down, seeing like a, a Sikh temple or a Hindu temple or something like that. It's just really a normal part of our Western society now. Mm. And that is going to continue growing this like, cultural mixing pot of yeah not just cultures but also religion uh mm. and that's something and then i guess also in the political space as well like the how they see the political world and how that should be run again i know nothing about politics i'm not the guy but you've just got to say like obviously all of this is is where it's heading we're going to keep seeing stuff like that i mean i see i even saw when i was in um where was i somewhere in sydney and i saw somebody running to be um in some sort of council in that town and half the advertising was in Chinese and then the other half was yeah. in English. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Like running for running for like some sort of council political position and they 
they mm. were Chinese and they, I think actually most of the sign was in Chinese, but I was like, that's really interesting to me to see like in an, like China, Chinese is not, oh, sorry, um, Mandarin or anything like that is not an official language of Australia mm. or, you know, so that's why I found it interesting that the signs would be in that for a political campaign. Yeah, but I mean, it's I guess that's where we're going. Maybe one day it will be a, an official language of Australia. Who knows? But mm. um, and the thing that that does concern me about all this is not the <laughs> the invasion or anything like that because I don't really take much stock in that. What does concern me no, yeah. is the potential for increased tribalism and increased animosity between different social groups, and we see this. Even today in in Trump's America, we see that tribalism is becoming. I'm not sure that I'm not I'm not going to make the claim as many people do that we're more tribalistic and we're more divided than ever because I don't know that that's that's actually true. What I do know is it's becoming more a part of the conversation, um, and I think it's interesting because we are in a point in our history where. I think the West is starting to fade a little bit. You know, people still, I think people still more or less consider America to be the quote unquote more, most powerful country in the world. But I think mm. that more and more that's not the case anymore. I think that, I think that China is especially, uh, especially China is becoming more and more influential. I think China is throwing its weight around a lot more. I think this is what we've just talked about with you know blizzard and the nba and all that sort of stuff i think that is that's evidence that china is becoming more and more um powerful interestingly enough though if you ask other some people they might say that china is on the verge of collapse um so it really depends on who you talk to well yeah uh, there's a book i've been reading i haven't I took a break from it because I got real scared. But um, <laughs> it was like 21 lessons for the 21st century. <laughs> Some of the lessons were just real dark. I'm like, okay, I need a, I need a break. But um, it's by the, the author who wrote Homo, Sapi um, Homo sapiens. Anyway, yeah. Interesting. Oh, sorry, sapiens. Anyway. Um, but it's like this, this thing that he talks about where basically China's tactic is to just buy the world. Like it yeah. used to, the tactics used to be running around and like wage war and, you know, beat up the world and so you own it. But now the new tactic that China's using is to just buy the whole thing. And I'm like, wow, that's super interesting. But he said, yeah, mm. they're facing their own problems in um, having a workforce. Oh, like with the, the one baby limit sort of things, it's basically caused all sort of generational problems for them now and in the future it will yeah. cause more. But yeah, again, I have no idea. <laughs> I probably yeah, shouldn't have even brought no. it up. Well, no, it's it's an interesting thing to note because like we're making all sorts of claims about the way that we see things right now and who knows how the future is going to turn out, like literally only God knows. But what we can know for sure is that this is where it seems to be, it seems to be heading. And I think it's important that we talk about this as implications for um, the church because I think what we've taken into, what we've taken for granted, at least in the West, is that the version of Christianity and the version of the culture that we find to be normal, the normative culture, is Western culture, you know? Mm. And the normative political structure is a Western democratic political structure. And the normative way to think about faith is a very Westernized, very Americanized. Like, I, I, I take, like, us as Adventists, you know, we don't have a, a European or even a Middle Eastern sort of, tradition to to draw from like we have the hebrew scriptures and that's kind of uh central for every christian but 
Adventism started in the 1800s in East Coast America. That's like influenced us so much. If you're an Adventist, you have been influenced by East Coast American politics, sensibilities, um, culture, all that sort of stuff, way more than probably you realize. Um, And so as we move into this more um, Asian society, this more Asian influence culture, those um, pre-held, those, 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 what do we say? A priori, those, those, you don't have to say it. It's just, it's inherent. Those things that we take for granted, they are start going to start to be not as much held for granted. Um, hmm. And this is, yeah, this is going to influence us in the future. Like Josh and I both have a, um, a friend who is Singaporean by birth and he is a pastor and he, um, ministered in Singapore for many, many years, but decided he wanted to get out because the way that the church operates in Singapore was just not working for who he is. Um, it's, you know, a lot more political. It's a lot more, you know, hierarchical than, than it is here in Australia and New Zealand. I wonder if that's what we're going to see more and more. Like when I look at the church in America, particularly, I'm seeing an in- increased um, hierarchy. I'm seeing it being more politicized, um, and I'm not quite sure if that's the Asian influence or if that's just the American influence. Um, but I do think that it has really interesting implications for the way that we that we operate in our faith. I think it's going to take a while for us to see the effects here in Australia and New Zealand um, because things just take a lot longer to, to, mm. to sink in here. Um, but I think over time, we are going to start to see a shift in the way that we think about things like censorship, the things like we think about hierarchy, politics, and free speech. Um, and that does yeah. concern me. Well, something interesting even to note is even just since probably the 2015 General Conference um, session in San Antonio is when we've really seen even in Adventism more of an influence from countries that aren't Western, you know, from mm. Africa and South America. And so yeah. I think it's something, yeah, we, we've got to learn and we're just going to, we're honestly just going to see more and more of it. The church in itself is struggling in Western countries and in Eastern countries or like they say like the global, nowadays they say like the global North and the global South, which I don't really understand. But anyway, <laughs> they say now in the global South, it's like thriving in global North. It's just not. <laughs> and here's the thing that really does it, it does my head in and maybe we need to get somebody on the podcast that can explain this better the the church is so much more restricted in the global south it's so much more hierarchical political it seems so much tighter and yet it's thriving whereas in the societies that we live in where everything's a lot more open free speech is a lot more permissible you can say whatever you want to whomever you want within reason and kind of get away with it in that culture, that society, the church is really, really struggling. So, you know, it, it, it really does my head in, in some ways that in cultures and in societies, and maybe this goes back to the church thrives under persecution in societies that are more dictatorial, tighter, the church is actually thriving. And I just, just like, let that sink in. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm letting it sink in. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So I think, yeah, there, there's some interesting thoughts there. And I think that's the thing with this whole Blizzard and Blitzchung and censorship thing. It really just brought to light the the way in which the world is, is going. And we just thought it'd be interesting to bring up and talk about. Um, yeah, even though it's something it, that's not, it's not specifically spiritual, I think it's important that we keep our finger on the pulse of where society is right now and i think it's important for us to grapple with this and we definitely don't have all the answers in this area no no we don't (laughs) but um yeah i don't know and i think as well i think even the understanding that like i don't know like a lot of the time like just how money can even influence us is an interesting thing um, to think about like how the whole reason Blizzard censored their own player was because they didn't want to lose money on this whole thing and I'm like man that is so like you know we just do the whole three angels message thing but I'm like that is so Babylon like you know what I mean (laughs) that is so so Babylon to stop somebody's right to freedom and to be proclaiming like their thoughts on freedom for the sake of making an extra buck like yeah. <laughs> i'm just like wow that is the most babylon thing i've ever heard but because because babylon money and power they go hand in hand oh yeah it's a it's an interesting prospect that i think we all probably need to be careful of that i mean you know some of the, i'm sure some of the people listening to this podcast are business owners and that kind of thing and mm. i don't know like how much how much are we willing to let money dictate our I don't know. Yeah, money and social status dictate our decisions. I don't know. That's a whole interesting other bit that we didn't really even dive into. But there's so many things being brought to light by this, I guess. And that's why it's important to look into this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that is probably enough for uh, from us for now. I mean, we've really only scratched the surface when it comes to this. And this is sort of the discussion that... It's only really highlighting what's happening in culture right now. As I said, we don't really have all the answers for all this, but I think it's important for us to stay aware of what's happening in the cultural zeitgeist because I do see that the winds of change are, are moving. I will say this though, I have been really encouraged by especially the internet's response to this whole situation because yeah. the outcry from people um, just on the grassroots level has been incredibly loud and these companies have listened and they have responded accordingly because it's one thing to uh, serve the needs and serve the purposes of China but it's another thing when your fan base or your customer base or you know the your patrons um, say something loud enough uh, companies do listen and uh, and that's that's why Blizzard, you know, they reduced the ban on Blitzchung. They gave him his his prize money back, and I think they also um, shortened the uh, penalty or the, the the suspension on the two casters. I don't think they fired them completely. I think they yeah. just reduced it to like two months or something. I think it's six. I think it's six. Months. Six months. Okay. Yeah. So, I Which is I still like really... your whole income is gone for six months. That still well sucks. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, absolutely it does. Um but I'm still I'm still encouraged by the fact that even though the zeitgeist is moving in one area that there is still 
enough power in the hands of individuals like you and me to actually influence where that's going. And I think that's a really awesome responsibility. And I think that we need to take that seriously, not just as people who are customers of these companies, whether you're a Blizzard customer, Apple, you know, you're into the NBA, but also as people of faith, because I think this really does have interesting implications for our understanding of image of God and free speech and all that sort of stuff, which a lot of those principles mm. are very, very Christian. Um, so without without going into a whole new podcast, I thought I would just <laughs> mention that on the back end of the conversation. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's a whole other thing as well, that when you see injustice, you should speak up about it, even if it's just yeah. a voice online, because it does actually have an effect. It can change things. Yeah. And in case um, anybody wants to know our political stance, free Hong Kong. I hope that Hong Kong gets what it what it needs. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we've never gotten a single download from China, and after this, we probably won't. So, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe from Hong Kong. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. But yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, that's our that's that's everything. That's our thoughts. Oh, obviously I agree on that political stance. <laughs> Not that I think. <laughs> anyway, um anyway, uh but if we would love to hear your thoughts on this. I know it's a very very different episode from our last fair few, but hey, it's important stuff, so we'd love to hear you talk about it. Um so Make sure you get in touch with us on social media or our website and remember for all things burn the haystack, the best place to go is burnthehaystack.org. Hmm. And subscribe if you haven't already. Um, subscribe on whatever podcatching app that you use. And if you would like to help support the podcast to get us out there so we can reach more people, uh, then leave us a review. It really helps. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Reviews are legit. And you are legit. And we love you. And that is Josh and Jesse out. Oh, you put a different flair on the end there. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a bit different, but you know, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta break the mold, you know.